Good morning. Well, this morning we're going to take a break from our study in James as Casey, our other teaching pastor, was supposed to be preaching this morning, but new baby Hudson thwarted our plans. And I must say, this seems to be a trend with little baby Hudson, because the plan was to have him at the birthing center. But baby Hudson had other plans. Baby Hudson decided he was ready to come while they were driving to the birthing center. And we see this picture up here of Amanda and little Hudson. And this picture is after she had just birthed him in the front seat of her van. Amazing, amazing. I think Amanda and Pastor Casey are now my new heroes. I'm sure all of us would agree. All right, amen, amen. As they both were calm, they were collected when they knew the baby was coming and they had no choice. They rose to the challenge and they trusted God as they birthed their own son. I know, I, I just, I can't believe it either, but... So, so as we begin in prayer, let's praise God for a healthy new baby added to our church family. Holy Father, we praise you. Father, we thank you for a healthy baby Hudson. Father, we thank you that uh, you brought a new little one into our church family. Father, I ask that you help us all to come alongside Pastor Casey and Amanda and encourage and bless them and as all the young children help us to all take a part in in raising these little ones that we just pray father that they can be little warriors little mighty warriors for you we thank you for now the time that we're now going to look into your word father and look at a pretty serious topic a topic that many of us even in this auditorium this morning struggle with so we ask father that you give us wisdom Encourage us, challenge us with your word. In Christ's name, amen. Well, it has been reported that 30% of women struggle with depression. It's also been reported that about 15 to 20% of men as well. And it's estimated that there is roughly 80% of those folks are not receiving any sort of help or treatment for their struggles with depression. And that's pretty serious because a de depression affects how we think. Depression affects how we feel. Depression affects us physically. Dep depression affects the whole person. Depression can be called silent suffering because it's an internal battle that can be isolating. It can debilitate us. It can rob us of our joy in the Lord if we're not careful. I wonder this morning how many of us are battling with depression. I wonder how many of us battle with this silent suffering. But let me assure us, 
that God is there. God is in the midst of our pain. God is in the midst of our crisis. He knows your suffering. We can find our help. We can find our hope. We can find our peace. We can find our rest in Christ Jesus. And today, we'll be in Psalm 6, in which David expresses deep sorrow and brokenness to the Lord. We might call the deep sadness that that David experiences in Psalm 6 a form of depression. And I decided to have one of our young theologians, one of our upcoming scholars who memorized this section of Scripture, uh, share it with us on the screen behind us. Oh Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. My soul is also greatly troubled, but you, O Lord, have long. Turn, O Lord, deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. For in death there is no remembrance of you. And Jill, who will give you praise? I am weary with my moaning. Every night you flood your bed with tears. I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with eye weeping. My eye waits away because of grief. It grows weak because of all my foes. Depart from me, all you workers of evil, for the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my prayer. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies shall be ashamed in a moment. Greatly troubled and turn back and be put to shame in a moment. Well, thank you, Silas, and thank you, Luke and Joby, also, because they all worked diligently this work this week to work on memorizing Psalm six. So, thank you for doing that, guys. I pray that that really God uses that to help you. But turning our attention back to Psalm 6, we really don't know the plight. We don't know David's circumstances surrounding this psalm. But we can see that it starts off with David struggling. Maybe over his many enemies that he deals with as a king. Or maybe David struggling with his own sin as we see in other psalms. Or maybe it's a combination of different issues going on in his life. But what we see here is that David struggles like us. We see his raw emotions. We see his grief. We see David's inner suffering going on. We see the signs of what we would call modern-day depression. So let's look at some of the characteristics of depression that we can gauge from Psalm 6 that we can also see in the life of David. Characteristic number one, depression assumes God is vengeful. 
depression assumes God is vengeful. Let's look back at verse 1 of Psalm 6. And David says this, Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. David, it seems here, is afraid that God is impulsive. He's a rageaholic that's going to act or react out of fury and wrath towards him. This reminds me of an angry parent who's ready to pounce or correct their child out of frustration and anger instead of love and patience and grace with them. Depression assumes the worst of others and assumes the worst even of God. I wonder if we look at God this morning like an angry parent. God who wants to just discipline us out of his wrath, out of reaction towards our sin. Well, to counter this sort of false perception that we can fall into, I want to read to us Hebrews 12, verses 7 through 11 to help us get clarity on why God disciplines us. It says this, It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he, that's God, disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness of those who have been trained by it. We see here that God doesn't discipline his children out of wrath or anger, but it's just the exact opposite. He disciplines us because he loves us. He cares for us. It's a motivation to help us grow. It's a motivation to help us become more like Christ. Amen? I wonder if we're struggling with depression, if we're assuming the worst of God or even others. Do we see God disciplining us for our good, for his glory? Or do we see God trying to hurt us because he's angry with us? Well, characteristic number two says that depression affects the whole person. Depression affects the whole person. Listen to what David says in Psalm 6, verses, one and, verses 2 and 3. He says this, Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. My soul is in deep anguish. How long, O Lord, how long? We see David is struggling physically and emotionally. Depression affects our thinking. Depression affects our emotions. Depression clouts our judgment. It continues to affect us, not only our mental state, but also it affects us physically as well. Symptoms can range from issues like mild headaches, 
and exhaustion to more severe physical issues like ulcers or heart problems. Well, this leads to characteristic number three. Depression expects the worst of future events. Depression expects the worst of future events. Psalm 6-5, David says this, Among the dead, no one claims your name. Who praises you from the grave? David here is possibly facing fear of imminent death from as many enemies probably as king. But often those of us that are depressed contemplate, we focus, we fret over future events, we worry and have fear that has a tight grip on our heart. As we see life through a dark cloud, as anxiety and dread has us captive, holds us captive. So we begin to play the what-if game by thinking of worst-case scenarios. What if the car breaks down? What if the engine explodes? What if I run out of gas? What if the plane crashes? What if the boat sinks? What if the boat sinks and I get attacked by a shark? What if the house burns down? What if I faint when I have to preach? When I, when I, when I, and I must have to admit on that one, I actually was very fearful of that. But I wonder if we worry and fret about future situation, situations, if we get worked up over worst-case scenarios that haven't happened. Well, characteristic number four. Depression brings about sleepless nights. Depression brings about sleepless nights. Listen to David in Psalm 6.6. He says this, I am weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with my weeping. We see here that David's exhausted and tired, and yet he stays awake. He continues to think and go over, focus, obsess on what could happen to him. A depressed person focuses on situations that are chalked up, full of frustration, anger, fear, worry, and hurt. It leads to further pain, suffering, and sorrow. They complain that they can't shut their mind down. They have no control, they say, over their thinking. I wonder if we can relate. Do we just lay in our bed and replay bad situations over and over again in our minds? Well, characteristic number five says that depression is driven by emotion. Depression is driven by emotion. We can read the psalm and recognize that David is often speaking out of his feelings, out of what he's going through in the moment. Let's look back at verse 6 again, which says, I am weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with my weeping. David is overwhelmed. He's undone in the psalm. He can't understand why God hasn't responded to his pleas. His nights are filled with sorrow, with extreme sadness. His emotions are leading him. 
Depression turns us inward. Emotions are in control. They're guiding us. What we feel seems to be the only thing that we think is real in those moments. I wonder if we're led or controlled by our emotions. Do we make rash decisions based on how we feel in the present moment? Well, as we can see from the above characteristics, is that depression is all too common. It's something that many of us deal with on some level every day. And some of us that struggle with depression could have a mix or a cadre of the above characteristics as each form of depression brings about different issues and different challenges in our lives. So as we take an inventory on our life, as we examine ourselves, I wonder if this morning you're struggling with depression. I mean, do some of the characteristics David experiences seem all too common with you in your own life? So the next question is, why do we struggle with depression? I mean, where does depression come from anyway? That's a, that's a question that we probably are wondering. Well, we know that the world in general now diagnoses depression as basically a biological issue, some sort of chemical imbalance that is somewhere out there, or, or it's a psychological disorder that you'll have to deal with for the rest of your life, is how they, they put it. We see this with many of the commercials that come on, that depression will be a lifelong disorder that you'll have to deal with. These commercials usually start out with someone sort of gazing outside their window. It's gray, it's dreary, it's rainy out. And then someone begins to say, are you often sad? Have you lost your drive for life? Do you have a hard time getting out of bed? Do you wonder if other people recognizes the changes that have been going on in you? Well, there's hope. There's help. There's a way to cope with your depression. And then they'll tell us about such and such pill that'll take your depression away. And then in these commercials, the sun begins to shine again, right? The family, they have so many different family members that come over because there's like a bazillion people in their house. They're having a great feast. And then for some reason, there's always, they're always sort of sitting on the floor and there's always puppies and kittens running around them. And then the person is finally smiling and happy again, right? And these commercials give us the impression that depression itself is more like a disease that we have to cope with than a problem that we can find true healing from. And this leads to point number one. Depression is a symptom of a much deeper problem. Depression is a symptom of a much deeper problem. We can compare depression to weeds in the flower bed. Without dealing with the root of the weeds, the weed will continue to grow in the flower bed, correct? Or 
It's like the engine light that comes on in the car to alert us that something is wrong under the hood, that maybe there's something going on with the engine. But the problem is, for many of us, I know I've been guilty of this, is just sort of ignoring that little red light in hopes that that red light would just go away, right? But one day, as I'm rushing around trying to get to work and I have different deadlines and meetings to get to, guess what happens? I'm driving and the car ends up dying and overheating on me because I've ignored a serious problem under the hood. And I'm afraid we do the same thing with depression. The red flags have been going off in our minds for some time, alerting us that something isn't right internally. Something isn't right below the surface. But we just sort of ignore the symptoms and continue to struggle through life. Brothers and sisters, we, be, we have to begin to examine our lives in light of God's word and pay careful attention to what is going on under the hood of our lives. So let's examine some of the causes, the roots, which mature into depression. The first cause of depression is sin. The first cause of depression is sin. You might be thinking, how can sin have anything to do with depression? I mean, I've never heard that before. I mean, is, sin isn't something that, that a psychologist or psychiatrist even considers when they're, you're getting tested with depression, right? And that's true. Because a psychologist or a psychiatrist looks at depression from just a purely physical or biological standpoint as they don't recognize that we are spiritual beings with the physical tent. So, of course, they won't consider sin as a possible cause. But as believers, we recognize that sin affects us deeply. I mean, think about it. It's what caused Christ to have to go to the cross for us. Sin is serious. So to understand how sin causes oppression, we first have to understand what sin is in the first place. So the question is, what is sin? What is a good explanation of sin? Well, the children's catechisms that we often use to, to teach our children have just clear and concise answers to these questions. And the, the first question I ask is, what is sin? And the answer they give is perfect. Any thought, word, or deed that breaks God's law by omission or commission. That means this, my friends, we sin much more than we think. By this biblical explanation, I'm sinning when I don't treat my wife like Christ every moment of the day, when I say a harsh word to my children, or when I think a wrong thought and feed on it, or when I don't pray about all things, or when I let fear, worry, and anger guide me, or when I tell a white lie, or when I don't put others above myself, or when I'm entertained by evil, or when I assume the worst of others, or when I gossip about others, or when I don't live every moment for God's glory. Guess what? I'm sinning, the Bible says. So you can see that even on a really good day, when we think we're doing really good, we still do a lot of sinning. 
I'm in need of God's grace every day, every moment of the day the Bible teaches. That's what's so great about the gospel, about the cross. But the problem that begins the process of depression occurs when we aren't confessing our sins, which would be comparable to a messy room that's let go. Dirty clothes begin to pile up. Shoes everywhere. I know none of us have experienced this before. I mean, it gets to the point that you can't even see the floor, right? And then you look around and you start thinking, where should I start cleaning first? And we begin to feel overwhelmed because the room has become such a mess. In our, and, so, and similarly, when we let sin pile up on top of each other, we become overwhelmed and confused. We don't understand why we're struggling so, why we feel so bad. We don't know why we can't sleep, why we're exhausted all the time. So we end up weighted down by guilt and sorrow because we aren't cleaning up the room in our hearts daily. Although we've turned to Christ in faith and repentance, we're a child of God, and yet we aren't experiencing the grace, the forgiveness, the freedom that is ours in Christ Jesus. So in God's love for us, he allows us to become depressed. He allows us to become miserable to draw us back to him. That's grace. That's love. I wonder how many of us are struggling with depression because we've ignored the sin in our lives. I wonder if there are areas that are, we're ignoring in our lives that we're not letting the, the light of Christ reflect in that area. Well, the second cause of depression is listening to our heart. The second cause of depression is listening to our heart. Jesus says in Mark 7, 21, for from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts. What's the first thing Jesus says comes out of the heart? Evil what? Thoughts, evil thoughts. Many say that the devil gives us bad thoughts, and I know I've said this before, but it seems like it's so prevalent but we see here that Jesus says it's our own hearts that give us evil thoughts. Which means that many of us are just listening to our hearts and feeding on many evil thoughts throughout the day without considering that the source is corrupt. And obviously, what we think affects how we feel and how we feel affects how we live. That's how God created us. And if my thoughts are always full of doom and gloom, or I assume the worst of God or others, or I just expect situations to always fall apart, and if my thoughts are always riddled with fear, worry, and stress, what do I think is going to happen? I'm going to fall into depression. I'm going to be depressed. When we follow our heart, we end up believing these lies, which causes us to feel isolated and hopeless. And this brings about depression. It will lead to depression, for sure. 
The question is, are we listening to our heart this morning? Are we continuing to take bad advice from that little voice within us? Or are we speaking truth to ourselves, weighing everything, weighing every thought that we have in light of what God's Word says? Well, the third cause of depression is physical issues. The third cause of depression is physical issues. We can become depressed because of physical issues going on in the body. Maybe it's a lack of a vitamin or a thyroid issue or a lack of sleep or intense stress. So it is important for us to get a thorough physical examination when we start seeing severe mood changes in us to make sure everything is all right physically, biologically. The fourth cause of depression, chemically induced issues. The fourth cause of depression is chemically induced issues. In high school, I would describe myself as a pretty happy-go-lucky teenager. I had a passion, a zeal for life. But in my sophomore year, I noticed a huge change, a huge mood change. I changed severely. I was often sad. And if I wasn't sad, I was somewhat numb emotionally. And I lost all my passion for the things I used to love. And I started examining what changed in my life in those few months, and I realized that I had been taking a new medication for my complexion. And it had severe side effects that could lead to depression. So medications and other new chemicals that we ingest can affect us emotionally and physically. And of course, there could be a combination of the above to cause us to be depressed. But I will tell you, the two that you usually will never hear is sin and listening to your hearts. The other two that I gave you, that's what they tell you every day of the week at the psychiatrist and the psychologist. So now that we can see the causes of depression and we're beginning to start dealing with depression properly, well, the next question is, what are some of the helps? What are some practical ways we can begin to help the depression that we're dealing with in the present moment right now? Well, let's look back to Psalm 6 to get some counsel from David on how to deal with depression. Let's look back at verses 1 through 4. And David says this, O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. My soul also is greatly troubled. But you, O Lord, how long? Turn, O Lord, deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. David, in verses 1 through 4, calls out to the Lord five different times here. Five different times. He begs, he pleads, he cries out to the Lord. He focuses his attention, his energy on the Lord. God was in the middle of David's trouble and struggle, as we can see. Which leads to help number one. Remember God is at the center of our suffering. Remember God is at the center of our suffering. This is significant because depression, again, it turns us inward. 
We become self-focused and isolate others from us. We often start questioning if God is really even there. We may even feel like God's abandoned us by how we're feeling. But we have to remember that it's not what we feel that's real. But reality is always found in what God's word tells us, amen? As scripture says that God is ever-present in our storms. He is working in the midst of our suffering. Listen to the heart of Christ in Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30, a very familiar passage. Listen to him here. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Doesn't that sound like someone who's struggling with depression that he's talking to? We see here that Jesus is calling us. He's pleading with us when we're wounded, when we're broken, when we're suffering. He calls us to turn to him, to run to him, to depend on him as he will give us rest. The question is, are we depending on Christ? Are we running to him when we're struggling with issues like depression? How does our prayer life look? Because that'll reveal how we're depending on Christ. Well, help number two. Hold on to God's love. Help number two says to hold on to God's love. Psalm 6-4, David says this, Turn, O Lord, deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. What does David remember in the midst of his suffering? What is David desperate for when his life has been turned upside down, when he's in that darkest hour in his life? God's unfailing or steadfast love. David has God's eternal and immovable love on his mind as he remembers who his God is. As he remembers God's character, he holds on to the fact that God is good. That God is a loving God even when he doesn't feel it or even feel like he knows it at that moment. John 3.16 is the epitome of God's love for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son for us. Again, God's love was put on display. His motivation behind Christ's death was his love. I mean, think about this. The cross is a symbol of torture for the world. But it, to the Christian, it is a symbol of God's great love for us. Amen? But I must say, turning to God's love isn't easy. When we're in the midst of that dark place, when we are depressed because our emotions naturally cause us to doubt, right? Our faith in God and question God's love. That means we often have to walk against our feelings or walk through our emotions and strive to meditate on God's love anyway. This can be done 
by plunging ourselves deep into God's love from Scripture. Let me give us a few ways of doing that. We can, we can study God's attributes, His love, His goodness, His mercy, and be so reminded that God is there with us as we study Scripture. The, the God who died in the cross, He died for us. We can also memorize God's Word that speaks of His eternal love for us. We can go to those foundational passages that fill us up with a confidence, a reality of how loved we are by God. Finally, to help us hold on to God's love, we can journal through the Psalms. We can spend time in prayer and pray the Psalms and write down what God is teaching us through the Psalms. Well, the final help in the midst of depression is help number three. Trust God in the storm. Uh, number three, trust in God through the storm. David says in verse nine, the Lord has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord accepts my prayer. Here we see that David had a firm and unmovable confidence, a trust in God. David knew that God was going to answer his prayer. And if we're followers of Christ, we can have the same confidence, that same trust that God is working in the midst of our struggle, in those darkest moments when we're dealing with depression. The question is, how does God actually assure us? How does God often give us confidence in the middle of our storms when we're struggling with depression? Well, we can see what goes on internally when we trust in the Lord, looking at Romans 15, 13. We can actually see how God gives us hope and joy and peace in the midst of our darkness. Let's read Romans 15, 13. It says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul here confirms again what David has already told us by saying that the antidote of depression is trusting in God. And we see here that trusting in Christ leads to God giving us inward hope. God takes our hopelessness away and supplies us. He fills us, he overflows us with even more hope, it says in Romans 15, 13. So we end up having a confidence. We have this bold assurance that God is at work, that God is there even in the midst of our darkness. But Romans 15, 13 gives us more, more hope. It says that we don't only get hope. It says that when we trust in God, he will also supernaturally give us, and give us joy and peace as well. God renews us. He refreshes us and changes our sadness to joy, our anxiety into peace. And we see that all of this is found in Christ Jesus alone. Amen? I wonder if we're growing in this hope this morning? Are we trusting in Christ? Are we learning to have joy and peace even in our deepest and darkest struggles with things like depression?
Brothers and sisters, depression doesn't have to control us if we are believers because we even submit our battles of depression at the foot of the cross, recognizing Christ has died even for our worst day, the most broken times in our lives. Paul said it like this, when I'm weak, then I am strong. Paul is saying that when he is most weak, most vulnerable, or broken, he's the strongest because he depends all the more. He holds on to Christ all the more. He clings to King Jesus in those moments. And similarly, when we're down, when we're weak, when we're most vulnerable, when we're struggling, that's when we'll, we should cling the most. We should hold on to most, hold tighter to Christ. Depression gives us opportunity to grow in our relationship with Christ. It gives us an opportunity to see more of Christ. If you're struggling with depression this morning, your hope, your joy, your peace is wrapped up in Christ and in Christ alone, amen? Brothers and sisters, Christ meets us in our darkest hour. He works when our world is flipped upside down. He is working for, the God, for the God's glory and our good. Let's put our full trust in Christ. Let's pray. Holy Father, as we think about this serious subject that so many struggle with, Father, we ask that you give us a newfound hope as we start connecting the dots that as Christians, Christ is supposed to affect every area of our lives, including our, our hardest and deepest struggles, those darkest moments in our lives when we're struggling with silent suffering like depression. Help us to connect the dots, to recognize that Christ meets us in those moments. Help us to live in dependence on you. Help our Christianity to be lived out, not just read in the word, but help us to live out the word in our lives and to be authentic, true believers in Christ Jesus. We love you, we praise you in Christ's name, amen.